0: You're listening to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority of their families. Thanks so much for listening in. My name is Todd Lesher. I'm your host. And today we're talking parenting with my friend, Dr. Tim Laniak. Dr. Laniak is a Bible scholar who has been a missionary, a professor, and a dean in a number of ministry contexts. He is the co-founder of The Bible Journey, an immersive experience for understanding, interpreting, and teaching the Bible. He's been a part of Forest Hill family for over 20 years, and he's married and has three adult children. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Thank you, Todd. It's great to have you here. Why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. We, uh, my wife and I actually
1: had quite a bit of cross-cultural experience, thought we would probably be living overseas for most of our life. Yeah. And um, as a result of some circumstances beyond our control uh, that involved our kids, we stayed in the U.S. and Mm -hmm. uh, found ourselves in Charlotte from 1997 on. Mm -hmm. And uh, during that year, I was uh, tasked with starting an urban ministry program to develop the multi-ethnic dimension of Gordon-Conwell Seminary to start uh, teaching some of the Bible courses that were needed there. And uh, during that time, our family was looking for a church, Mm -hmm. and um, we did a little bit of shopping, like most people do, and I remember it was just uh, around Christmas Eve through New Year's that we were at Forest Hill for a second or third visit, and we want to make sure that our three preschool kids were all okay. in the decision. And I remember there was a, a challenge for people to uh, give their lives away, mm-hmm. and if they wanted to, to join Forest Hill. And so all five, all five of us said, let's, we're in. Yeah. <laughs> and so yep. it was great. So pretty pretty impressed with um, with that journey mm-hmm. uh, of the Church and uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of ministry and a lot of um, just trying to reach out to the community. Yeah. So I, I appreciate what you're doing with this oh, podcast as well. I had I had a, a uh, mild conversion experience mm-hmm. because I grew up in a Christian home okay. when I was in high school. And this might be encouraging to some of the listeners yeah. because uh, when you raise your kids in a Christian home, it's more likely that they will do Christian-speak, Bible-speak, mm-hmm. and maybe even accept Christ into their heart when they're young, like yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. I actually heard that I did that when I was <laughs> growing up, because I don't remember when I was four or five, and my mm-hmm. parents said, oh yeah, you kneel down beside the bed and ask Jesus into your heart. But when I was in high school, I started to feel a kind of emptiness mm. that turned into some prayers that were pretty basic, like, if you're there, um, please speak. Yeah. And that went on for a few months, and at Christmas that year, um, I got a Bible, uh, from my parents, mm-hmm. and I started to read it. And all of my disappointment that God wasn't somehow speaking to me changed into this um, almost uh, alarming sense that every single time I opened up scripture, God was speaking. Hmm. He wasn't always answering the questions I had, but he was actually leading me. Yeah, And I started marking up my Bible, and I felt like I was in in for a pretty serious conversation. Hmm. And a few months later, several of us hmm. in my school who were from Christian homes, had kind of rededicated their lives to Christ, mm-hmm. and we started to experience the gifts that God gives us. Yeah. Prayer and intercession, mm-hmm. um, Bible study leading, evangelism, outreach, mercy, like all, all of a sudden we kind of discovered what it was like to be a church, and so the the anchor and the foundation of the Bible underneath ministry kind of never went mm-hmm. away. And since then, which is, you know, a good 40 years now, at our lives have just been filled with lots of opportunities to either learn the Bible or share the Bible, and often in cross-cultural settings. Mm-hmm. So been a lot of different places yeah. and uh,
0: just keep working on both sides of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. One, just from a student ministry viewpoint or children's ministry viewpoint is that uh, God speaks to children and to teenagers, mm-hmm. like you were saying, and his word comes alive, uh, just very captivated by that story. and. I want to thank you for your commitment to the scriptures and to to personally, you know, ingest, digest and share it with people. Um, it's been a blessing both in those cross-cultural contexts, but the the way that we cross paths was, you know, a, a little bit of the story in there as well. I was at Gordon-Conwell and I always knew you as Dr. Laniac. I never took a class with you. But I started hanging out with these students at church, and they're just students to me. And yeah, their parents matter, but my primary focus was on the students. And then I had the epiphany was like, oh, your dad is my dean or you know, something uh, yeah, like yeah. that. Like, It just didn't connect the dots there. And that was kind of a special moment to go, you know, I'm, I'm actually really grateful for your dad mm-hmm. uh, because of his investment in, in my education and... Love for the scriptures, so yeah. Thank for, you for uh, that Forest as well. Hill,
1: Forest Hill has had more people go to Gordon Conwell than any other church. Wow, probably somewhere between fifty and seventy-five people. Oh, that's um, incredible! That I know yep. since uh, the yeah. early days when we were actually here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you've been very good to us, and we're very grateful. Well, let's talk about another Bible journey. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about kind of your newest endeavor and mm-hmm. help our listeners understand a little yeah. bit of what are we, what you're up to now. Yeah. Well, I mentioned when I was in high
1: school, I had kind of a personal uh, journey with, with Christ that was started with prayer and it, and it opened up the Bible. In that part of my life, I was going to Christian school, mm-hmm. my family had Bible study at home, we were in Bible studies, and I had Bible classes. So I went off to Wheaton College for a year, I was going to be a Bible major. And honestly, I felt fairly comfortable with the agenda. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what does it look like to understand the Bible? Well, I'd been doing lots of Bible reading, and I mm-hmm. felt like I, you know, I'd memorized parts of it, and I just felt like I was comfortable with it. And then after my second year in college, I went on a study tour to Israel mm-hmm. and Greece, mm. Turkey, Rome, and actually then traveled around Europe with some ministry teams. And it was during that time, actually in Israel more than any place else, that I discovered how little I knew mm. about the Bible. And that's okay. That's, mm-hmm. Education is usually more about finding out what you don't know than it yeah. is about yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> filling your head. But, but what was disconcerting was that I never would have known what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it's not that nobody can get anything out of the Bible if you don't go to Israel. It's just that for me, I had a level of confidence and familiarity, and it was kind of shredded a bit because... I realized I didn't understand the geography, the history, I didn't mm. understand cultural ways, and uh, that really added to the cultural side of my interest. I felt called into yeah. missions, and but now it was like, my first mission trip is into the Bible, mm. and now anyone else that I'm gonna be teaching, I need to help them understand that the Bible is That's a little good. bit of a, yeah. uh, you know, kind of a cross-cultural journey. Yep. So it it didn't take long before I went back to Israel to study, I included a lot of Bible background in my education, and I started uh, way back, I don't know when, a a little ministry called Uncovering the Foundations. We Mm -hmm. had two carousel projectors with screens and, you know, the the wall and sack recorder that would cue up each of the slides to go off on the carousel. But it was all about trying to give people a chance to understand the background of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Ten years ago, um, we started a program, and Forest Hill was very um, pivotal in this. We started a program called Bible Journey here in the Charlotte area, where churches could have access to you know, kind of seminary-level Bible teaching yeah. and learning, but have it spaced out a little bit more mm-hmm. so that it might take a year to go through something that you might do otherwise in a semester, and actually add to it some Bible background mm. and to give people a chance to discuss it and process it. Four years ago, we were approached by Museum of the Bible and Christianity Today and some other hmm. ministries to say, if you put this on a electronic platform, mm-hmm. you could digitally reach the world with it, and yeah. that was really growing out of our own interest and scaling. And so we started working on an app, a Bible Journey app that was developed by an Israeli
0: hmm. uh,
1: company, Okay, and that's now available at BibleJourney.com, but we're also moving the content onto some other platforms. Yeah. And uh, 2020 is the year of the Bible. A lot of ministries are collaborating to get the Bible out to people, and this is a great way for people to study the Bible. It's a friendly, accessible, digital um, experience, very yep. immersive. P- n- none of the videos, for example, are more than five or six minutes, mm-hmm. There's and only half of it's video. So yep. you have lots of exercises, interactives, like interactive maps and things yep. like that. yeah. So pe- I think people will find it as a, a good multi-generational tool hmm. and a resource
0: in the family. Yep, that's good. So there's real value in actually going to the Middle East, right, to going, going to Israel, being mm-hmm. able to see it with your own eyes, and there's real value in going to seminary. Mm-hmm. But you're making both of those accessible to those who may not be able to do right. either of those, or who are just interested in getting their feet wet, or maybe half their right. body wet, right. you know, right. <laughs> with right. that experience, um, if they're not quite ready right. for either of those. Right. That's and the
1: intergenerational mean. aspect of it's really important, and yep. I think it's suited to this um, to the podcast uh, oh, audience perfect. here, is that, you know, in some ways the older people are the more likely they are to have had some exposure to the Bible, Mm -hmm. and the younger people are obviously the more digitally native they are. And so when you have something like uh, 360 goggles, Hmm. you're typically not going to find parents as good at navigating the controls. Mm -hmm. Kids will be, but the parents might actually know why you're actually on the Sea of Galilee fishing, (laughs) or why you're at Jacob's (laughs) Well drawing water up, and so if you get people together where the strengths of one meet the strengths of the other,
0: and, you know, the flip side is their weaknesses match, then you actually can have a journey together. Yeah, well, I love that potential behind what we're trying to do here in this podcast is we're looking to influence the faith of one another. There are times when Mm -hmm. my children they really challenge my faith mm-hmm. to be whoa, to be prayerful, to be prepared, to be invested in conversations. Mm-hmm. And I hope and pray that my faith is influencing theirs as well. Yeah. So I love that intergenerational yeah. approach to it yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: we're actually gonna have a, an intergenerational trip to Israel and awesome. Jordan
0: um, after Christmas okay. in 2020. Oh, fantastic. And people are certainly welcome to inquire about that. That's great. Well, we'll wrap up this podcast mm-hmm. and you can share everything about your resources sure. and writings and things yeah. like that so they can find out how to connect. Well, I, by this point, I imagine our listeners are queued up to where we're going with this podcast a little bit, but we're going to surprise them here in just a moment. But uh, we were talking offline before we started recording, and really, this podcast exists for a couple of reasons, and one is there's no manual for parenting. When children are born, they're just born, and we figure it out, and it's been amazing that we have survived for thousands of years without a parenting manual. And so we're trying to encourage parents in a number of different ways, primarily when it comes to faith, because faith influences every area of our lives. And so we'll cover topics on a recurring basis like technology, culture, and the Bible. I think it's essential for people who follow Jesus and want to raise children who follow Jesus to understand, love, and apply the Bible to their lives. So, we try to tap into that through a number of different methods or approaches or streams. So, here we are. I'm sitting down with a Bible scholar. And I would love for you to help our listeners see the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, a little differently than they ever could have. And I should have included this question. And so, we're off the cuff here. And uh, when I sent you these questions, is can you lay a starting foundation of, of Scripture just in general, that it was not written in English to begin yeah. with. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's it's not 100 years old, right? It's right. like it's been around for a yeah. long time. Can you give us kind of the basics of the yeah. Bible?
1: Yeah. I mean, the Bible is, uh, to, to understate it, the Bible is an extremely special book, and we believe it's inspired, and one of the evidences of that is that it has this kind of ability to, have, to speak across generations mm-hmm. with with an uncanny relevance, even though it could have never been put together by, you know, imagine 40 different authors yeah. over, you know, up to 1,500 years. Mm-hmm. How There's got to be a divine publisher. Yes. There's got to be a spiritual editor to make it all make sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But sometimes when I speak to groups that are not even um, faith-based, I describe it as ancient wisdom. It's, mm. it's been distilled. And what you have access to, for example, in the Book of Proverbs has a perennial interest to people yeah. because it's really been refined and filtered, and it's, it's, it's uh, sort of like truisms that you can yeah. lean on. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, in, a, in cultural settings where the Bible was first, you know, kind of revealed, it was uh, probably passed on orally, mm-hmm. and it's primarily passed on orally in families. Yeah. So, there's a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. for parents, not yeah. to scare people about this, but you really can't subcontract everything mm-hmm. out yes. that you'd like to as a parent sometimes. Yeah. And uh, certainly the faith is something that's really,
0: you even can't depend completely on a church to yeah. take care of. Yeah, that's really good. I've never heard that. We cannot subtra- subcontract faith. Yeah, that's good. We can have partners in right. this, but exactly. primary responsibility yeah. does fall on us. It's a great privilege, but it's also a great burden yeah. as well. So, as a Bible scholar and teacher, I would love for our listeners and for myself personally to know what would be a few of the Hebrew words that you would want parents to know and understand from the Hebrew scriptures. Okay. Fair question. L- let me start
1: with the name for father and mother Okay. of, um, you know, Abba in okay. Aramaic and M or Mm -hmm. ima, you might hear some Arab kids today calling, you know, or Hebrew kids, Israeli kids calling their mother ima. Um, These are words that are physically uh, related to or literally related to the nuclear family, Mm -hmm. but they get a figurative meaning once you get outside the family. So for example, like Elisha the prophet calls Elijah my my father. Mm. That, that's a very common way to understand people that are in authority, is to use the language of Father. And I think it's really helpful to be aware of the both the literal and the figurative meaning because in the family of faith, we actually have many parents. Hmm. And um, I remember one time I was running a youth group with my wife. Um, I had a, a guy that he and his wife were trying to raise three boys. They were very frustrated, and they said, We depend on you because our kids won't listen to us. Mm -hmm. And we knew they're boys. And I said, you know, I think the problem isn't that they don't listen to you. It's that you are inside their head so loud Mm -hmm. they can't seem to get away from you. Yeah. What we can do is supplement that. And when they hear it from us, it may sound different. Mm-hmm. but I wouldn't worry that they that they haven't heard you. But, you know, we have the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child yeah. and all. W- this is a very biblical idea, and, and it even shows up when a church dedicates a child and says, right. does everybody here agree that we're going to help? I, The idea of godparents is also, I think, mm-hmm. f- it fits with this idea that you need other people, whether you call them auntie or uncle or yeah. whatever you call them, they, they need to surround your family. And this is one of the ways to take some pressure off that nuclear family responsibility. But on the other hand, it adds to it. Mm. You need to look at other friends' children yep. as being people that right. you oversee. And I would say part of what makes our life so rich is that other people are caring for our kids and we're mm. caring for other people's kids. Yes. And when you sort of take that as a sacred duty
0: in the community, then there's lots of ofs and M's. Hmm. I love that, that biological father-mother and spiritual father-mother, like you're talking about. Yeah, That's great. All right, that's number one. What do you have next? Another one is probably going to be surprised, and that is there's a
1: verb, yara, which means to teach, but it's the verb from which we get the word Torah. A lot of people, when they hear Torah, they think it's law, Hmm. and law doesn't usually sit well with people. You know, we tend to think of it as rules, mm-hmm. but the fundamental idea of the Torah, or really the foundational covenant relationship God has, it's about teaching. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really helpful reminder that that ideally our lives are made up of teaching moments mm-hmm. that parents, you know, the abs and the m's, yep. are sensitive to, so that all our children can be apprentices. For life. Yeah. They, they can learn about life from us because we're not just being transactional. We're yeah. not just trying to get them to yeah. play the flute, or we're not just trying to get them to do gymnastics. It's, right. it's more like there's a path, and the covenant in the Bible is always referred to as a path. You want to have them walk on the path and get the
0: benefits from being on that path. Mm-hmm. The teachable moment idea there is yeah. um, we were talking, uh, Robbie and Janet have mm-hmm. done a couple, uh, yeah. Robbie and Janet Fisher have done yeah. a couple episodes here, and yeah. Janet talked about the long game, Right, and teachable moments contribute mm-hmm. to the long game, right? right, whether or not our children roll our eyes right. at us when we're saying, hey, let me speak into this right. real quick. But, but one it, thing that might be
1: surprising for people familiar with the Bible is that when you're reading a Deuteronomy and it says, you know, this is the Torah, mm-hmm. you know, follow the Torah, talk about my words that the language there is extremely close to the language in the Proverbs when it says, follow the teaching Mm. or the commands of your mother and your father. Yes. In other words, there's a kind of covenant, community-wide standard, and it's implemented at the family level by the parents Hmm. whose Torah, sort of small t,
0: is that reflection of the Torah capital T. Yep, starting to track with that where it, What's the phrase? Uh, words create worlds. Mm, yeah, good. And what you're saying, you know, we've been given the Torah. I mean, the Israelites were given the yeah, Torah. It's right. a gift from God. And I always try to help parents see that they are a gift to their children, mm-hmm. whether or not their children say, Thank you for the gift. But they can shape a world of faith right. through their, what is it? Yara right they're there teaching yeah
1: but it's really everybody has torah that's and, right I and mean, oh, every that's, family that's has cool. its own torah
0: that's really cool
1: what yeah. else well the the end game for your kids is for them to be wise and this is obviously clear in the book of proverbs mm-hmm. that there's two paths out there and one of them leads to foolishness mm-hmm. it creates fools and that sort of short-sightedness, self-serving, you know, narcissistic behavior, yeah. the wise are the ones that are industrious, they're good stewards, mm. they're humble and respectful, they listen, they're teachable. So there's a great word, chokmah. Mm-hmm. Chokmah means wisdom. There's another Hebrew word, bin, which means understanding. But actually, all these passages, especially in Proverbs, are, they're just, the synonyms just sort of keep going on and on, words mm-hmm. for discernment, for attentiveness. For remembering, and the the child is again the child's not just a child. The child's a learner.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So later on in Hebrew, they'll use the word Talmud from a Hebrew word okay. lamad to learn. Mm-hmm. Well, that gets translated into Greek as disciple. Hmm. So you're really discipling your children. Yes, you're. They're they're learning, and again, I I think, you know, one uh, there's a lot of literature about. Um, corporate organizations and whether or not they are good learning mm-hmm. environments, are they learning communities? Yeah. The, there's a good question to ask all of us about whether or not our homes are just functional and, you know, again transactional, or are they learning environments? Are they incubating mm. insight? And a lot of what that kind of boils down to is whether or not you model it mm-hmm. and then whether or not you create space for it. Yeah. So. I remember we there was a time when our kids were younger and we would after dinner we would read a passage of scripture and then have some time for questions. And I would simply distinguish between objective questions which are I'm going to ask you what I just read and I want to mm-hmm. know if you heard it, you know. Yep. And then subjective questions which what mm-hmm. what do you think this might look like if you lived it out. Yeah. And um, we sometimes would have, you know, kids in the neighborhood who would come over and we'd kind of have this like growing group of kids that were just there to see whether or not they actually could answer all the questions right, but then the reflective questions, when I think about it, this was like middle school kids who could actually say, okay, now we just did a story. Pause. Mm-hmm. If, if, so, And some stories are kind of fun if kids yeah. like to get grossed out, so someone stabs a guy in the belly, you know, mm-hmm. and his, his guts oh, yeah. come out, or like Herod's eaten by worms, but then yep. you can say, okay, so they had a good laugh. Why do you think it mattered that Herod you know, died that way. Yeah. And I remember another couple who were missionaries, and they said, you know, we gave up doing devotions with our kids a long time ago, we tried everything out there, and they said, what do you do? I said, uh, I don't know, but you know, frankly, we're just reading the Bible mm-hmm. and talking about it. And I think if you normally read the Bible and think about it, it would be normal at your home and engaging, to go ahead and talk about yeah. it. If you don't do it on your own, then then it's more forced, I think. Yeah, yeah. But the goal, of course, is for them to be, you know, wise, hmm. and and to develop that. And you know, Frank, even in my own experience, like I was reading the Bible a lot and as a kid, and I was starting to realize that I could sometimes spot hypocrisy hmm. in adults, or not just hypocrisy, but like people that are sort of defensive and all. And I, I read this verse in the Psalms, Psalm one nineteen, and said, "You know, I know more than my teachers." And I thought, "You know, this is kind of an, a strange feeling yeah. that I can kind of see through other people's behavior and the gaming, you know, mm-hmm. because Scripture
0: has a way of grounding you yes. and giving you a godly perspective." That's really good, and I love you. You sent in that long game there, or a vision for your children's future. Yeah, I mean it's so easy to get wrapped up in report cards or scoreboards yeah you know, skills talents yep. but you're you're helping us move our focus yeah. to vi- to wisdom yeah. you know wise children yeah that's a great aim is it is it's a
1: little bit more squishy to, to definitely uh, measure definitely. but you know one thing to ask yourself honestly as a parent is do you care more about your kids getting into harvard than heaven <laughs> And it's, yes, it indeed. does come down to that resume building, right? right. And what, what are they? And you know, it, it turns out that I did go to Harvard, and I would say that my my ability to manage the competing worldviews mm-hmm. had a lot to do with being biblically grounded. Yeah. It just it doesn't change. Yeah. Harvard's just another culture, mm-hmm. like being in the Middle East or yeah, something. Definitely, and you realize that people have different. Ways of living out their own worldview, but you want to have your kids be prepared for anything, yeah. Including, like, I had a friend whose whose kid just, um, in his twenties, just uh, grew a business very quickly with a Mm -hmm. lot of venture capital and sold it and made a lot of money. And my first question was, how is he managing success?
0: Mm.
1: It's not. Well, I mean, of course, congratulations, but look failure and success are the bigger challenges yeah money money is like that's how you play the game of life mm-hmm. and whether you get a lot or get little god's looking where we should be looking to say what's that ha- yes. what's that doing to you
0: yeah a lot of that can be found in proverbs exactly right <laughs> yeah proverbs right there, is a, I, mean, lot there. Yep. I mean it's almost as solomon wrote it son listen to yeah. my teachings right right and let them influence your life yeah i've learned some things by failing yeah. <laughs> by succeeding and by yeah. watching the world around yeah. me right, and discerning God's presence in it all. Yeah. So. yeah. All this, right, so we've got some three good ones. Yeah. What, what do you have next Well, another
1: one is a word for heart, okay. live mm-hmm. or live of. This is, you know, 860 times in the Old Testament. I <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people will talk about, you know, the, the distance between the head and the heart mm-hmm. as the biggest distance yeah. in the world and all that. I think one thing for people to get used to in the Bible is that in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the word "lave," the word for heart, includes all of that. Mm. It's your whole interior being, okay. and that's both your thinking and your feeling, but also your imagination mm. and also your inclinations. Yeah. So it's sort of everything inside you. It's not really an anatomical object that they, you know, that you have blood vessels going mm-hmm. to. It's really more about who you are fundamentally. Mm. And uh, one thing that I think science is coming around to is the f- the way that the distinctions that we often make, like the, the mind and, and the, you know, the brain or the mind and, you know, the soul, whatever, that they're they're somewhat inextricably linked. Mm -hmm. And what I like to say is just never forget that you think feelings and that you feel thoughts Mm. because a lot of times we go after our kids with an assumption about how they're put together. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, in the field of psychology, there's, um, behavior modification yep. where you tend to go after the behavior and assume that by doing so, if you, if you can get the behavior right, it will end up mm-hmm. influencing your thinking yep. and your feeling. And it does work sometimes. There's another one that's, um, that's called cognitive behavioral therapy. Cog yep. assumes that everything starts in your head and then it ushers mm-hmm. into how you behave. But not everybody's wired that way. Yep. And you'll notice in worship all around the world, there are some people who energize and activate their faith by very spiritual, emotional, and yep. engaged, physically engaged worship. That gets into their head. It's not going backwards. Mm-hmm. It's just that we are this whole being. Yeah, And I think it's good to know that our kids are not just sort of somehow safe if we get something into their head or if we get them to feel something. Like You're actually looking for all that inner being to mm-hmm. be uh,
0: kind of rolled out. So we've got four concepts hopefully parents are starting to get their mind wrapped around both in expanding their understanding of the Hebrew scriptures here, mm-hmm. but also inspiring yeah. just, you know, from God's gift mm-hmm. to humanity yeah. through his scriptures yeah. that inspires their parenting. So you got one more? For I us? do.
1: Let me just say one more thing about yeah. heart. Because yeah. I there's a there's a guy that I know that runs a whole ministry about heart. Yep. And his premise is that the heart is more the image maker than anything else, rather okay. than saying, is it feeling, is it thinking, mm-hmm. but if it's the seat of our being, it's an image maker. I yeah. would say that when you read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, the Gospels, if you pay attention, a lot of the words that are used uh, about concrete realities are used even more so in their figurative meaning. Mm. In other words, people are people need to get Better at analogical thinking. The, mm-hmm. the Bible uses metaphor. It uses analogies. Yeah, and if you think about it, the if the 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 Bible says that the unseen world is the real world, mm-hmm. and the world that we see is not real. Mm-hmm. So the task of of understanding scripture, the task of understanding theology, is to use the physical world we see to help imagine the spiritual mm. world that we don't see. Gotcha. So you have to be good at metaphor and analogy. Mm-hmm. You have to think analogically to realize that when the Bible tells us that God is our Father, I have to look at the Abba in my life and of the other people functioning as an Abba to say, this is a, a local approximation. of. Yep. It's a starting point to understand who mm-hmm. God is. Yep. And I, I think this relates to Lave again. Is our heart actually being seated with all of this great image making, mm-hmm. when the world will often literally use media to put bad images yeah, into yeah. us, and I think about Paul saying, you know, make sure that everything you think is good and profitable, and hmm. that there's light and life in it, yeah. because we really do we we kind of kind of have this forge that's generating all of these images. To yeah, live with. yeah. I, I had one of my my oldest son called me up one day. He was working at a retail place, and he said, "Just tell me quick. I I've got a really bad attitude about." certain kinds of people that come here,
0: Hmm.
1: what do I do? And I just said really simply, think of them as Jesus in disguise. Hmm. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Next day, he said, that did it. (laughs) Like, that did it. Because... Jesus said, you know, if you do anything to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Yes. So we really do have to kind of hijack our brain when it's going the wrong way mm-hmm.
0: and give it a better image. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming back to that. Sure. But the last word. Yes, last yeah, word here. Yesar, um, to correct,
1: or musar, discipline. These are from the same words. One one really critical distinction I think a lot of people that read parenting books understand is the difference between discipline and punishment. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing to appreciate in the Bible is that most of what the Bible talks about when it comes to child rearing has to do with discipline. It has, and and we get the word disciple out of discipline. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the very idea of the path of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And even when the Bible talks about the rod, you know, spare the rod, spoil mm-hmm. the child, we we hear that. The idea there where you might think, well, that's corporal punishment, that's the ultimate punishment hmm. versus discipline. It really isn't. It's yeah. actually the same word that's used for shepherds, hmm. which you may use to yeah. um, defend the flock, but you also use it to kind of uh, give them a little reminder and yeah. sometimes even just lay it alongside of them so mm-hmm. that they understand where the path is. Yeah, It's disciplinary. Mm. And I'd say that's one of the most important things to keep in mind is, number one, make sure, am I just... Getting upset with my kids. This is about my anger. Yeah. And then number two, what's my end game? Mm-hmm. And all of our kids need something different from us to yeah. get to the end game. So, one thing that we gave up. This is controversial, maybe, but we didn't have the same rules for all of our kids mm-hmm. on every <laughs> yeah. on every issue. Yeah, because some one of our kids may just need to simply calm down and have a talk. And, of course, at different stages in life, they're more able to talk things through. Other ones need to be deprived of something, mm-hmm. and other ones might have needed a spanking.
0: Mm, right. And
1: you kind of have to decide yeah. not what do I want to do, but instead of the one-size-fits-all approach, it's like if my vision for my child is their growth toward being a disciple, how do I help get them there through this wicket? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. And I, I love the, uh, the idea of the shepherd's staff. Yeah. Being a guide that yeah. a shepherd would lay down, yeah. it, children need that. Yeah. They need it to get to the end game, yeah. right? But especially in this world, right, right. where there is so much marketing and advertising, it's like go this way, go this way. Yeah. A parent is the one to lay the rod down to say, yeah. no, 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 let's go this way. Yeah. And it's all, you know, applicable to where your child is. Yeah. You know, their temperament, personality, and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I, love that, that idea, and not one, one size fits all. Yeah perfect. Well, thank you for taking us through that. So, parents, mm-hmm. I hope hope like I said a little bit earlier is that you have a more robust view of the Bible. It's not just this ancient text that the church wants you to read out of duty, but it's really it's alive. Like you shared with your story, Tim, there as a teenager and it yeah. it caught you mm-hmm. and it captivated you and then it set your course for yeah. many, many years. And yeah. it can do that in our families mm-hmm. as well. Do you have any final advice or encouragement for our listeners? Well, one of the most exciting
1: things about having adult kids mm-hmm. is that they're finally at the point where um, you feel much more like you have a flat structure in terms yeah. of like who's teaching who and who's mm-hmm. learning from who. But the way Jesus dealt with children, he saw them as being contributors, just like what you're saying. There's a teaching learning that's going multidirectionally. Yep. And I would say even if Reading the Bible doesn't feel life-giving. If you put it out there with a family, mm. you'll never know who at the family table yep. might actually provide insight for the rest. Mm-hmm. And if it sounds if it sounds outlandishly idealistic, let it sit there for a little mm. bit because that's part of what I think Jesus was pointing to children for. Definitely, somebody if you know, you got to be willing to have a kid say, "Well, what if we gave our house away? Yeah, what if we sold everything? Yeah, why do you know?" That's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Why do we drove past drive past homeless people, you know? So yeah, if yeah. they're making connections with Scripture and we have all, all these filters in place to protect ourselves, mm. then
0: give them a chance to tear it down. Yeah, fantastic. Well, how can our listeners connect with your work, your mm-hmm. writings, with the Bible journey? Sure. Where do they start? Okay.
1: Well, I have two different websites that would be useful. Okay. One, I've done a lot of research with Bedouin shepherds, and mm-hmm. I have a website called shepherdleader.com. Okay. And so I have forums that people can discuss certain items that I bring up on a, on a periodic blog. Mm-hmm. There's some books and other resources they can get. There's also BibleJourney.com, which is more uh, of a curriculum that yep. goes from Genesis to Revelation. You can go at whatever pace you want, and you could do it together as a family. Mm-hmm. And again, multimedia, so there's some videos, there's exercise, a lot to discuss, and even 360s you can put on goggles yep. for. Yep. So
0: I'd say go to BibleJourney.com and find out more. Excellent. Yeah. Well, again, parents, let's work and take steps towards incorporating a Bible practice into our home and to let it shape, let God shape our family with his word. So, I mean, Tim, thank yeah, you for being on for the sure. episode. Let me say a prayer to wrap yeah, up our time. You. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word and thank you that it is alive and active and it has been transforming lives through your power, through your spirit. And at, just like Tim said, kind of at the seat of our being. It is defining who we are, what we do, and I pray that we would receive it as this gift from our Father who loves us and who has um, the life that Jesus came and died and rose again for us to have an abundant and eternal life now and forever. Thank you for Tim and his work and the way that he has been uh, a gift to so many by sharing his perspective on your word with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Parent on parents, you got this. Thanks for joining
1: us for the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their families. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you showed your support by sharing, subscribing, and rating this podcast on iTunes. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest you, visit ForestHill.org.